What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Lemon. Thank you so much for tuning into the Real Value Exchange podcast. I've rebooted this whole podcast because I feel the need to really do something different. And I've took some time away. I've been focusing a lot on sales culture and where I'm helping other people, you know, how they how they can really help market their actual brands or even build those partnerships by leveraging podcasting. So I got that thing rolling. That's up and moving, which is great. And I'm obviously always focused on the personal brand, but I'm rebooting the Real Value Exchange podcast because I feel a need in there. Or let me say this. I got pissed. I got mad about what was happening in healthcare and I've been mad about it but I've I've ignored that pain for a little bit and I feel the I feel the need to kind of reactivate it because at times I get frustrated with where we are because I feel like there's a lot of things that we could be doing better we're still so focused on the sick care and we're not moving the needle I feel like enough towards preventative care I know it's a big needle to move so you got to be have some patience there but instead of being frustrated instead of just being upset at what at, at what's not happening I'd rather f- refocus and rechannel that that uh, energy towards something that's positive. So I'm choosing to kind of get this activated again and really, you know, launch a, a series of, that's targeting the people, the entrepreneurs, the docs, the the fitness pros, the nutritionists, and the local heroes and change agents that are out there doing things that are really helping people get healthier. Just that simple, right? It's people that are out there improving lives and pushing the whole healthcare system forward. I want to shine some light on them. So I'm going to launch off a series here where I'm going to just, you know, interview people that are doing things throughout, uh, just throughout the U.S. really, that I think that are, that are, that are special really. And so I want to dive right into it today with Heavy Hitter. I have Dr. Sherry Yafai, and man, she is an ER doc and a cannabis expert. And she's leveraging cannabis as medicine. So she jumped on right whenever the wave was first hitting with recreational. And you guys are going to love this. This is going to be something that you guys can geek out on. You can learn a lot from about about the whole space because there's a lot of confusion there. And she's going to help clean it up. So with that said, sit back, get ready to enjoy this episode with Dr. Sherry. And if you like it, because you we were get a five-star ER rating doc. That's at right. first, right? That's right. And I still am. Oh, so okay. I'm still in the ER despite popular belief. Really? <laughs> So I still spend, so let me kind of step back. Please. So I um, started my medical training back in the early 2000s. In 2005, I went to residency at UC San Diego and did emergency medicine, left emergency medicine, graduated, came out back to Los Angeles where I was born and raised here in LA. And in 2009, I started working here at Providence St. John's in Santa Monica, a nice little community hospital. Um, and since that time, I've, I've really been in the ER full time, yeah. having two kids, came back, went on maternity leave, and came back full time both times. Did you always know that you wanted to be an ER doctor? Was that something that was always on your heart? I didn't. I, okay. I knew I always wanted to be in medicine. Yeah. I didn't know where in medicine I fit. Um, I realized very early on I have a very bubbly personality, and that helps in the ER. It, it helps in the <laughs> ER, and and I always call it. I always say people who go into the emergency room or emergency department type medicine, they are people who like to tell a story. They are people who mm. like to be in the space of adrenaline. They like to have their time at work, and then they like to leave, because the one thing that emergency medicine provides is not just a lot of intensity at the time you're here but a lot of freedom once you leave. Interesting. 
which is really which is really nice because you don't get that from a lot of fields in medicine. And so most emergency medicine physicians are very outdoorsy. They like to travel. They like to not be tied down to the job. Yeah. So you can pick up and go really anywhere in the world and be an ER doctor, which is pretty amazing. You can't do that with a lot of other medical specialties. I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right because people that have run their own private practice, they're like tied to the practice, right? That's absolutely Whether it's building up the business of the practice or their patients that are reaching out to them. They're on call a lot of times. That's right. I mean, but I, I would imagine once you're once you're in it, you're like, okay, you know, it's game time and there's right. nonstop action. I would imagine right. it's nonstop action. Yeah, but then you unplug. It is, and and I would say, you know, it's it's like showing up and every day being handled a completely new specialty. So let's say <laughs> today, and and it tends to be something where you know, like today is chest pain day, and I'll just have for some <laughs> unknown reason five to 10 patients who all have chest pain and all for a variety of reasons or it'll be stroke day and you know I'll have four or five different stroke patients or it'll be the you know over the summer really commonly we see a lot of falls breaks cuts bruises that type of thing and it'll just be the day where everybody showed up from Santa Monica Pier because there was a bunch of kids playing at the park, you know, what have you. So it it tends to be thematic the day, sure, for some reason. But other than that, yeah, it's it's a very adrenaline packed day, and it leaves you just dead to the bones at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. So, like, are there any like? Because I have a couple of friends that work in the ER as well, but they always have great stories. Any great stories that you feel comfortable sharing? No pressure to if you don't, but anything that's like that came in, I was so. Just, Good question. So, yeah, so we'll the stick with the theme of the day because yeah, I always ask yeah, people. That, I get a lot of like, "What's the best story you've ever?" Yeah, had? I'm and sure. <laughs> there's a lot of really great stories, and I, I actually even started limiting it to body parts because <laughs> it, there's a good story for every body part or yeah. every holiday. <laughs> every holiday. Um, but but lately, I, I get really excited when there's a cannabis case in the ER because you know, and and everybody knows what I do now in the emergency department. Mm-hmm. I kind of came out of the closet about it in over the last I want to two talk years. About this. Yes. Yeah. And um. And so now when a cannabis case comes in, they, they just go straight to me. They're like, Sherry, do you want this? And I say, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> it's just, it's always exciting. But one of the most interesting cases and one of the things that I want people, because we don't, uh, we're not talking about it enough in hmm. kind of the, the regular world, right? We, we talk about how either people are very pro or people are very against. True. And I like to walk this kind of medium line. I'm not really like pro or against as much as I am pro or against Viagra. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing to me. It's a medication. Yeah. It has indications, it has benefits, and it has side effects. And so to be able to talk about that really clearly in in a regular medical fashion to me is really what draws me to it. So I had a case in the ER about an 80-year-old guy comes in and and funny enough, so I'm Persian. You can't tell on the podcast, but <laughs> I am Persian. Um, I and I'm about five foot two, so I'm not I'm not very tall. So people walk in, and most of the time they're like, "Where's the doctor?" And I kind of <laughs> wave at them. Um, but this this gentleman, an 80 year old Persian man, came in through the ambulance bay, and so you know, uh, they called me from my desk and said, "Hey, Doctor Yafai, will you come evaluate this patient?" I said, "Sure thing, no problem." I walk over to the ambulance bay, and he's dizzy and he doesn't feel well and he's nauseated and he's about to vomit Mm. and you know one of the things that we have to be really careful of in the emergency department is making sure that this isn't a stroke and so you can have this can be one of two things typically is vertigo from a peripheral origin so you're thinking about like ears that cause vertigo like people who get vertigo just when they go out in the ocean you know 
sea legs, that type of thing. Or you think about a a cerebellar stroke or a brainstem stroke. Mm. And so those types of really fine details are what we have to be really careful about, especially given that he came on very quickly, he's of the right age, you know, all the right temperaments, high blood pressure, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we rushed him back. We did a full, you know, multi-thousand dollar workup to make sure he was not having a stroke. And, you know, the wife came in and she was completely, you know, frustrated and dismayed. And she quickly called her sons, you know, on her cell phone, calls her sons and your dad's having a stroke, come in to the emergency department. And within the hour, his, you know, adult sons show up to the ER and one of the adult sons says, hey, dad, by the way, I noticed you drove my car this morning and I left like a marshmallow Krispies treat, right? One of those Rice Krispie treats in the front seat did you happen to eat that? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you hate the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And lo and behold, <laughs> the whole room starts to erupt with laughter. <laughs> and we realize, and by the way, all his tests and studies are normal. Everything's looking good, but he's still profoundly nauseated, yes. profoundly dizzy, feels like the room is spinning around him. He's still miserable, but everyone starts laughing. And I walk into the room. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, Doc, he had a, an edible. I'm like, what do you mean he had an edible? <laughs> he had my Krispies treat, my Rice Krispies treat edible. And I was like, oh, my God. And, of course, you know, everyone's happy now. He, we give him medicine to help kind of quiet the nausea and to help quiet the dizziness. And he feels much better. And literally they walk out and they're like, Doc, we're going to go get kebab. And I'm like, perfect, the Middle Eastern food of choice after yes. you have an edible. <laughs> So that's perfect. So that was that was one of, you know, these these moments where you're like this is this can be actually a really potentially serious situation. One not just because of the fear of a stroke or the thousands of dollars that time, resources, etc that were spent and potentially wasted on this, but actually because if we didn't know that was the reason, he would have gotten hospitalized and he would have undergone multiple more tests. True. Okay. And so the, the my biggest issue with the cannabis industry is is their saying in the industry is if it doesn't work, take more. Yeah. Go go higher, right? Like yeah. they they really push the like, you know, test your limits, see how high you can go, kind of sort of thing. And then they have these antidotes in there, you know, on the webs and whatnot that no, I, I don't. I won't even comment about. But the problem with that is, is that if it's the wrong person, mm-hmm. if it's somebody who does have heart disease and high blood pressure and is at risk for these situations, we don't know what that tipping point is yet. Right. And and not just that, but people are going to get medications that are not good for them because we think they're having something like a stroke. So right now in the Los Angeles area, I know that between myself, UCLA, and Cedars, so St. John's, UCLA, and Cedars, in the emergency department, sorry, there's been about, you know, half a dozen patients who've come in with similar presentations like this and have gotten TPA, which is a life-saving medication for a stroke, but it's also a very aggressive blood thinner that can cause bleeding in your brain. Wow. That's, you know, a 1% to 5% chance. And so... If we give that to the wrong person, then we're actually going to cause their brain to bleed. So, so it's one of these things that we have to be really conscientious about. And it's not, we're not talking about it to the right people. And the right people is, you know, everyone. The public. The public. A- 100%. The and you public. know, I'm really glad that you chose that story to tell because to me, that's, the, that's one of the gray areas about this industry. 
I love it. I mean, I got partners and business partners that are all, all deep into it and they're launching brands and they're doing all these things. And then you go into these mega, you know, well, well now these heavily invested into retail centers like MedMen. Um, and, and they have these quote unquote experts on site. Right. And because people, if you don't have any other context or any other conversations exactly right. with anybody else, then they're your guy, right? And That's right. and they say exactly what you said. And so it's re- it's really hard because in yeah. in the medical side of cannabis, right. we are by far oh, yeah, outnumbered <laughs> by everybody else in the world. Sure. So I mean, we I'm part of a group called Society of Cannabis Clinicians. Mm-hmm. I'm the co vice president for the organization, and we are national mostly, but we're also now international. So we have Canadian members, we have Australian That's members, awesome. and we have a few here and there throughout the world. Okay. So it's really it's really amazing to see physicians and clinicians connecting on this one one quote unquote medication mm-hmm. but because we are in such um, a dry spell so to speak in terms of what we can get very locally and very um, rationally right so it's really hard finding this in between or this happy medium that is that is such the right way to do it I'm curious do you, do you guys have any members over in uh, Europe you guys working with any guys we, we have a few members in Europe um, so our major our major major shtick mm-hmm. is um, really education medical education Perfect. so it's it's and that's kind of my personal shtick is medical education you know getting people to understand that this is a medication yeah. you know listen I have no issues clearly with the recreational use. It's just knowing what it is. Yeah. Like if you were going to go out and have a drink, you could tell me your drink of choice. Sure. Yeah. Right. In a whiskey, heartbeat. Yeah. Whiskey. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You'd have like one glass of whiskey and you know where you're going to be after that. And glass. you've learned your limits. And you've learned your limits. Absolutely. Right. Yep. There's no question about it. Yeah. But no one's going out there and being like, on your first time having <laughs> alcohol, let's have a pint of vodka. No one's saying that to you. You know what? Let's see how much you can handle. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, but, right. And, and if you're going to do it, you, you're you going into it knowingly that yeah. you're going to vomit at the end of the night. 100%. Or you're going to have a horrible hangover. My wife's going to carry me home. Right. It, right. God you know that that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But the yeah. problem with cannabis is, is that people don't know their limits. They don't even know where to start talking about their limits. Because the thing is, is most people will say the following. I take a quarter of a cookie. What does that even mean? What does that mean? And the part that's even wild about this is that some of these cookies are baked up in people's house, Mm -hmm. right? Where they're they're assuming what the dosage is. It's not, they're getting a lot better for a lot of these. Getting a lot better. A lot of these do have some really clean manufacturing plants and facilities. I've been to one out of, out of Denver that looks, looks great, looks gorgeous. Right. But with that, some of these people are still, you know, small business guys. Right. And there's this starting, hey, commercial kitchen, like they rent out on the weekend and kind of mix up their own thing. And it's not that well, you know. Right, consistency. Cons- consistent, yeah. That's right. It's and not there. So this past weekend I was in the ER and I had yeah. a young, lovely girl in her early, late 20s here from Texas with a bunch of her friends. Of and they've been using edibles all weekend. And she's like, well, I've when been taking Rome. half of a jelly. And and then I felt like it didn't do anything for me. So today I took a whole one. I go, well, what was the milligram dosing? Yeah. Shrugged her shoulders and said, I don't know. Shoulder and shrugger. that's where I think the conversation needs to start. Because just like alcohol mm-hmm. and just like any other you know, unit of of measurement, right? Anything else you take, you know, you know, you know that if you're on a diet or if you're on, if you're eating habits, you have to be careful of what you're watching, watching what you eat. You know, you're not going to eat more than, you know, one dessert a day, mm-hmm. for example. Right. Okay. Or you know that you're not going to have more than, you know, a slice of pie, 
right? Like if you ate a whole pie, that would be not such a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're a diabetic, you know that you shouldn't be yeah. eating pie. Yeah, right? Right. So just to give you kind of comparisons, but we don't we don't have that same sense with cannabis and we don't have that same sense with kind of a, a lot of what's going out on in the world. Even the vape pens, which I think in general are actually pretty good. The problem is, is they're not very well labeled. So right. you can pick up a friend's vape pen and have no idea what's inside. Right. You know, is this a 90% THC vape pen or is this a 25% vape, vape pen? You know, is this a CBD vape or is this a hybrid? You know, you don't know what's in it. You know, so do, do you feel like the conversation is getting better? I mean, I've absolutely. Okay. But I'll tell you where it's getting better and where it's not getting Please. better. Please. It's getting better with the public. Yeah. It's not getting better in the medical arena. Isn't that wild? I mean, because, you, you know, all right, so let me kind of, I'm going to give you a little bit of my propaganda here, right? So, <laughs> so, I mean, I've fallen in love with podcasting because it's the medium and only medium that, as a marketer, and, and, and as someone that's trying to, you know, spread my own, my own interest here, uh, it's the only medium where you can add some context to the conversation. Yes. I mean, videos as well, of course. I mean, the, all those are beautiful, but people are so busy, they don't have time to stop and watch a full 20-minute interview, let alone an hour-long, deep-dive, nuanced conversation, right? Absolutely. Into it. Um, and a lot of, a lot of us head, headline read. And, you know, and so you hear the either whatever whatever your, you know, choice of media is, they'll have their spin on it about about how they wanted to kind of look and kind of frame the conversation for you. But I love the approach of being in the middle because a lot of things are normally, you know, in the, in the middle. Very few things when you dive into it and you really understand the history and the background and where it's going and those little politics that kind of play into it. Like, you know, do you just go hard left, you know, or do you go hard right or anything, yeah. right? I mean, um, it's normally this split divide and it's like splitting hairs, but they matter right. and, and and so when it comes to cannabis um the conversation needs some experts in there because it's a lot of guys who just experiment like that that are great that are fine yeah yeah health coaches kind of kind of getting out there have some experience kind of just trying right. on, on themselves i do a lot of experiments on my own not with cannabis but with like other diets and you know sure. fad type of workouts and stuff going on like that sure. and and that's great but it's always nice to level it up with someone that's looking at the you know hard data exactly and the right. um objective outcomes from it right and i totally appreciate that because something you said it really touches my heart which is you know we're so headline readers these yeah, days. yeah. We're, we're so you know we don't delve deep and this is this is really a problem because we have to understand that very few times in life is it black or white yeah it's it's so few and so much and great. i say yeah. this all the time people you know a lot of my medical colleagues you know tease me a lot you know when i talk about cannabis and they're like oh you know have any good smokes lately and i'm like <laughs> you, you have to move past it like you, you got to move past it i, I can't yeah. handle this anymore and you know or you know every time i give a lecture somebody so, somebody in the crowd always says oh is there, are you passing out free edibles and it's always the same always always and yeah. i'm always trying to say the same thing is like the same lame joke over and over the same, the same joke i actually told my husband this last I go. I just don't know what to say anymore to the jokes. Yeah. I I get it. I appreciate it. I I still think it's funny. Yeah. But at some point you have to say, you know, I saw a young woman here yesterday who's having fifty to three hundred seizures a day, and it's really hard on her. And it's not just hard on her. It's hard on her family. Right. And it's hard on her younger brother. And it's you know what? 
that's not something to joke about. And if we can provide her with something other than the four medications she's taking with the bad outcomes, you know, with the bad side effects that she's getting from them, if we can provide something to minimize that and maybe potentially even resolve that, mm -hmm. then why is that something to laugh about? Right. And why is that something to be, you know, joking about? Great. Recreational, wonderful. Have that conversation. Sure. That's one side of it. But, but the biggest part to me about recreational coming out and, and being legal was actually that we could separate these two issues and separate them and say, hey, let's have a real conversation. You know, you want to smoke? Great. You have a real medical issue? Great. Let's talk about that, too. But let's separate them out. Do you think that the, the fact that it's now recreational, that's, that's hindered the progress of, uh, of no. how people view it? No. I, I, you know, it's funny. I really wasn't sure the way this would all come about with recreational laws. I, so kind of rewinding for a second here, mm -hmm. I started my practice basically the day recreational laws passed wow. here in California. I said, that's it. I'm going to go and take a better look at what this thing is because if this is winning by a popular vote, then maybe we need to take a deeper look into what this is. Yeah. And that was when I really decided to delve really deeply into this. So, so the, the benefit of recreational laws has actually been that it's made all of our laws around this better and that people aren't just hiding this under the rug anymore, but they're point. really paying attention to it. And they're making better medication. They're making it more accessible to people who need it. And, th you know, the, the downside was, was that it made it much more expensive. The flip side, though, is, is is that they're making a variety now. So whereas it used to be mostly just smokables and a couple edibles, it, there's so much. And I was, I was showing this to you before the podcast yeah. started, but I, for the people out there, um, in my office, I, I like to stay, um, stay very educational. And so what I have here in the office is boxes of what – um, what different cannabis products are available out on the market. And one of the things that always blows my patients away is the fact that we have um, such a large variety of oil tinctures. And most of my pa patients are actually taking oil tincture-based medications. So it is, you have anywhere from 1 to 1, 2 to 1, 4 to 1, 8 to 1, 18 to 1, 30 to 1, 1 to 3. And then you also have 1 to 1 in CBD THCA. So there's, there's varieties that I don't even have here, um, and there's more of them. But the fact that we can get this many ratio of CBD to THC medications is really quite phenomenal. And I have to thank the recreational market for, for doing this because I don't mm. think this would have been as uh, – we would not have had as many available, and we would not have had access to this. You know what? So, do we mind geeking out a little bit and kind of talking about about those different ratios yeah. and, and, and talk about the benefits? Because I think this this is the conversation that when people go into like the these you know shops, remember those? Um, because I'm not from LA, so I've only been on for like three years. But when I used to come out here for work on a regular basis, mm -hmm. Santa Monica, Venice Beach was loaded with those. Yep. Um, Pot docs. Pot, pot docs. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The but now they're all evaporated. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 75% of which went out of business like the day after legalization. And I mean, very quickly. I mean, those guys evaporated. evaporated. I mean, I mean, by the time I got here, it was pretty much, I like, couldn't even find them for the most part right. anymore. So, I mean, and, and I'm not sure what was going on in there. I never really kind of went in there, but they were just had the green tents and all the rest yeah, of that. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. That, this was part of why I wanted to do this because my sister-in-law had breast cancer. Wow. Um, and you know, she walked into one of these places and they barely looked at her and kind of made, 
do like some ho- I called it hocus pocus medicine. Sure. And you know filled out the right forms and completed the right things yep. so that they could provide people with a medical marijuana card. Um, but to me that wasn't enough because then you'd walk into a dispensary and then you know depending on which dispensary you happen to walk into or who was on that day. You know, like you mentioned, you know, there's these bed tenders who are behind the counter yep. who, number one, legally, they're not allowed to give you medical advice. I was going to ask you, yeah, because because th- th- there's no, is, is there a, cert- I mean, some of these guys have a certification, quote unquote, they're that they've developed in-house. They're starting to come out. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. starting to come out. Right. And we at SEC, Society of Cannabis Clinicians, have also talked about, you know, whether or not that we want to kind of help that progress along. But it's a really, it's a really challenging place to be in because yeah. imagine as a doctor, do you want to train somebody who you have no idea of who the background is, what their education is, um, about medication? Okay, so basically we want to train you to be a pharmacist. I mean, really, that's what it is. Because all of a sudden, you know, are we going to say, well, you have to ask about their medications that they're on? You know, are you going to ask about their narcotics or their benzos or the other sedatives that they're taking? Are you not going to ask about that? Like, where is this line drawn? And you know what? Are there any people doing this? Are they doing it right? Do they mean anything? Do they have any validity? Is there anybody validating these things on a higher level? That's a great point. And there's not. And that's that, to me, is the rub with all of this. And that's, to me, where I think we can do better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give two other plugs here. Please. So, um, so I did open up my own medical office here and in And we're going to talk about it, too. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Relief Institute. I am... Uh, uh, can where I do cannabis based medicine all day long every day when I'm not wow. in the ER so um, the advantage I think of being able to provide people with good medical advice is for people who aren't using recreationally I tell people who are using recreationally just go smoke that's try and avoid edibles edibles I say are for professional users don't go above you know uh, Two to five milligrams of THC in an edible is more than enough for the majority of people. And you know that's where they start, though. Right. That's where they – right. That's the problem. Yeah, right. I think that (laughs) there's a lot of overkill in this industry, and and you don't need to overkill all the time. Like, you don't need to be taking shots of vodka every night. Sometimes (laughs) people just need, like, half a glass of wine. And for, like, half a glass of wine, you just need, like, a milligram or two of THC. You know, this is a really interesting part of the conversation because this is where the um, American culture bigger faster stronger you know all that kind of plays mm-hmm. into it you know we gotta have the the fastest car and that's the best way to go oh yeah even though if you're not going anywhere <laughs> that's exactly right, right. right you're in la traffic you're not going to you're, you're, not, not, you're not going, going fast anywhere LA traffic. <laughs> that's right i mean i mean but but you know that that's where i think this is kind of one of those uh reframing this conversation to have to say hey walk your way into this that's right there's no reason to get out the out of your chair and do a full-on sprint yeah, like because you're not yeah. going to be able to because you will fall or you will break ACL. something <laughs> you will tear your right you yeah. will tear your acl or yeah. your Achilles. you'll yeah. tear something yes. and not be able to recover for a couple you know for 24 hours sure right so instead of doing that right that's you're absolutely right is reframing this discussion and saying you, you just need to go a little slower and and if you want to kind of knock it out of the park go with a smokable Go with something you inhale. Don't go with something that you ingest. Because the biggest issue I see is is people are waiting two hours and it just doesn't hit them. And so they feel like, well, it didn't hit them, so it didn't really work. So then they take more. Classic mistake. Cla- exactly. Classic, Classic call- mistake. That's exactly right. How many cases do you see of that in the ER on a regular basis? Oh, I laughed one night when yeah. I saw a rock star yeah. who is to be unnamed, sure. who is a very heavy cannabis endorser. Sure. And... He had totally overdosed on a cannabis edible. And I was like, 
You even you even know better. Even you right. Even yeah. you should know better. And and the problem is time and time again is one is knowing your dose. Yep. And most people don't know their dose. So I ask people to. So one of the things I teach in the office is how to read a label, what the labels actually mean. I mean. I see a lot of patients now. Most of my patients are over 50 to 60. Mm-hmm. I see a subset of patients that are under that, but the overwhelming majority of my patients are older. Mm-hmm. And um, and they're on multiple medications. And so what I say is, is, would you ever take a pill that you didn't know the dosage? No, there's no way they would take a pill. Even if it was yeah. a blood pressure, if it was something they didn't think much of, they still would never take a pill without right. knowing the dose. Cannabis is no different. You need to know your dose. And you need to know your dose of what. Yeah. And because, you know, what we talked about earlier was this mix of CBD and THC, mm-hmm. a lot of people are being like, oh, this is a CBD medicine. Just take it, right? Because CBD is benign in right. everyone's eyes. But what they're not realizing when they show up to my office, they show me their medications, and it's actually a mix. And it's a one-to-one mix, which is a 50-50 ratio of CBD to THC. Okay. Or it's a four-to-one mix, or it's the flip. It's actually a THC-dominant, so it's three parts THC to one part CBD. Gotcha. And, then, and so then the so it's always with the actual CBD first, no, and then it's the not. T- oh, so see, thank you, <laughs> thank you, because I'm looking here, so it's THC. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So, so one of my biggest gripes with the industry is let's all standardize the conversation. Hundred percent. So at least you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Put CBD first in ratio tinctures, and put THC second, or yes. flip it. But just keep it consistent. Oh, so they even flip it on the labeling? Sometimes they flip it on the labeling. Oh, my goodness. Everyone labels things the way they want. Sure. Because there's no... This is the other part about regulations. This is the one thing they haven't started tapping into. And hopefully they will after this. they hear our conversation. Right. right? We'll we'll get it out. We'll get it out there. (laughs) Is, Is getting consistency with the labeling so that you know no matter what product you buy or what what you know designer you buy or what, whatever we're calling these companies you're always getting the same ratio you know cbd first thc second yeah right and so and you know and so now when it's people are like cbd is great for sleep sometimes people can be like oh i'm taking cbd and it's great for my sleep and it's actually a high ratio thc to cbd so there is cbd in there yeah. but it's actually and THC, but so. you know, you know what's kind of funny too. And tell me if I'm if I'm off course here, but you can still feel CBD working though. Like it's it's a very lightness that I felt before, and yeah. kind of a yeah. So I, I, I just didn't want to work. I remember yeah, someone so gave me one. I'm like, okay, sure, CBD. It's like a little chocolate. I didn't right. check the the amount that was in there. Right. Totally clueless because it's one guy I got it from the manufacturer, so it didn't have labels on the box right. yet. And I'm like, great. So we're having this, and it's right down the street here. We were at um, Misfit Restaurant. He's like, hey, try this out. I'm like, All right, great. And we were supposed to do work. We were supposed to. We were po- the the very next step was to go to a coffee shop and work. And I remember looking at him and said, "I don't feel like working right now." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I I, I, would I didn't have feel to high. Bet there was yeah, a yeah. little bit of THC. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And because at the end of the day, and you know this, and people might not like this because it's not a popular idea or perspective, but CBD is not a vitamin. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It's not a vitamin. Yeah. If I I tell people, can you overdose on it? You, we have not seen, we have not seen people coming into the emergency department with overdoses. Sure. But that being said, those the big research studies out right now. There's a lot coming through in terms of CBD only because they're pushing a new pharmaceutical medication called Epidiolex. Interesting. And this is this is kind of it just got FDA approval and DEA rescheduling so that p- physicians can write for this for aggressive seizure syndromes. And listen, I. 
I think all parts of cannabis and every part of this, you know, be it pharmaceutical, be it lay people, be it, you know, communities, whoever is pushing this momentum forward, I think we're all moving towards the same goal. So people Love were like, that. damn, yeah. sorry, I don't know. If I no, you're good. You're good. Pharmaceutical yeah. companies are coming yeah. into this. They're also pushing the same goal. They're pushing it through a different avenue that lay people cannot. Unfortunately, you know, it's hard to penetrate. Yeah. And and most of the population has been doing a good job because it has legalized in so many different avenues. And so that I credit the, the regular people for. I yep. credit the community, the cannabis community for doing that. But there is a place for pharmaceuticals and their place is coming and it's going to mix things up a little bit. And so what Epidiolex did was they did a recent study um, with CBD um, mm. out of New York with Dr. Yasmin Hurd. She's okay. great. You should keep her name in your back pocket. Where's she located? Is she in LA? She's in Mount Sinai at, at oh, New cool. York. So yeah. she did some recent recent research on the use of CBD for heroin withdrawal. Hmm. And she gave 400 milligram doses. Huge. It's extremely right. high, yeah. I see your eyebrows <laughs> yeah. get raising over yeah. there. Yeah. So huge. It's a huge dose. And, right. and for the most part, for the people out there listening, 400 milligrams of CBD is, for some oil tinctures, the entire bottle of the tincture. Right. Right? So there are some tinctures that come in 300 and 400 milligrams in a whole bottle. So that dosage, not for nothing, is a big dose. It's huge. But what she found was was that she could decrease cravings and anxiety in patients who were going through active withdrawal. Wow. So that's... I mean, that's where I see the wave of the future for cannabis. Excuse me. And, you know, CBD-based medications, mm. not just for anxiety and depression and pain and seizure modification, but also with in terms of what's going to help crack this opiate epidemic that we're in. Yeah, because we're definitely in one. Oh, oh yeah. And, and, the, and this is, it's funny that, you know, I remember coming up and watching all the D.A.R.E., you know, this is your brain. Yeah, we're we're the, the, in the same age range. Right, <laughs> right. You know, they got the little fried egg and you know, they scared the crap of us oh, kids. Yeah. I mean, and then all it took was a little bit of exposure to anything that was going on. You're like, no, nah, I don't want any piece of that. Yeah. Never. And now um, fast forward one or two decades, maybe three, <laughs> depending on how much you want to dive into this. <laughs> but, 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 but I mean, now it, it, right, we're at a place where the people have led this upsurge of what they want. And I think it was really cool that you got in right when it got legalized for recreational because, you know, if you think about the whole drug company model, right, it really is patient-driven. Like, right. a lot of times they kind of put the ads out on the TV and they drive the patients to their doctors and say, hey, I think I have a bump on my face. I need whatever that hardcore drug right. is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right, right. And, and so from, from a marketing standpoint, it's the best way because you trying to push the boulder um, uphill by yourself is is a beast. And so it's great not to exclude the people and exclude certain groups even right. because everybody has to have their say. It's just trying to get everybody to speak the same language, I think, is, right. the, is, a, is the toughest part of the conversation. That's right. So so what I'm trying to do to this end yeah. is bring everyone together, kind of meeting of the minds, so to yeah. speak, in a conference this fall. So October 5th, yes. I am hosting a medical conference that's designed for healthcare practitioners, chiropractors, acupuncturists, physical therapists, wow. rehab specialists, physicians, um, NPs, PAs, anybody out there who, one, I see a lot of people selling CBD out of their office space. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I see, even see pharmacies selling CBD out of their office space, and they have no clue what they're selling. Yep. I told, I, I chided a pharmacist the other day. I said, would you sell any pill out of your office without knowing the dosage? She said, no. And I said, well, then why do you feel comfortable selling CBD out of your office? What was her response? I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Her jaw kind of dropped, and yeah. she was like, 
I never really thought about it that way. It's just a cream. I said, but you even sell lidocaine cream. You still know how you much know is in craves. there. Yeah, yeah. You know exactly what's in there. So why is it that this is any different? Hmm. And it was because there's no knowledge. That because the, not that there's no knowledge. It's that there's no one promoting that education. Because sure. in regular medical kind of environments, we're used to having pharmaceutical companies push new medication knowledge. Mm -hmm. Not knowledge in general, but new medication knowledge. And that's the gap here. And the other gap comes in that, you know, they're the Medical Board of California, part of their, they have, did you know the Medical Board of California has rules and guidelines for cannabis recommendation for physicians. No. Yeah. So they're going to be at the conference. It's awesome. They're going to be talking about their perspective on cannabis and physicians recommendation of cannabis. Okay. Um, the LA County of Public Health is going to be there. The um, Cannabis and Cannabinoid Research Journal out of UC Irvine um, is going to be distributing their research journals. The Society of Cannabis Clinicians is going to be there talking to people about having education. You know, like I said, they do quarterly educational meetings where they um, pick a topic and they discuss that topic at length and how it relates to cannabis. So I did the last lecture for them in June, okay. which was on narcotic reduction with the use of cannabis. So that that's oh. my like favorite thing in the world to do. If I could do nothing else in the world but take people off their pills and their fentanyl patches using cannabis only, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would imagine that that, that has to be a, a growing space because people are... <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not? Not yet. Not really? yet. Okay. We're going to push it. And you know what? It is going to be because the pharmaceutical companies are getting behind it. I was about to say, are yes. they throwing research dollars towards it? They are starting to because they are seeing what Yasmin Heard published. They are seeing what, um, you know, we've got a couple other people here in California publishing. The problem is, is that people are publishing kind of about it, mm -hmm. but not directly in it. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, we saw this big article in JAMA a few years ago about how Medicare dollars in states with legalized rec legalized recreational cannabis use plummeted in terms of their narcotic right narcotic usage so they and the revenues went up too right. and yeah. the, so uh, yeah. so it's kind of like you know you're seeing the trends and mm -hmm. so now it's time to kind of put the burden of proof on it right so right. we now have to prove that that's actually going on so to that end i've actually invited two pharmaceutical companies canopy health in, from yeah, yeah, yeah. Canada, yeah, you know Seth Canopy's Rogan, yeah. yeah, Seth Rogan and Martha Stewart are now, you know, I think two of the public faces of Canopy Health. Mm -hmm. um, they're coming hopefully to the conference as well as GW Pharmaceuticals with Epidiolex. So to get and I've invited a couple of the local dispensaries to actually host a physician. So I want them to start getting so involved smart. in physician education, right? Yeah. Like, let's get the conversation moving forward. And the only way we're going to be able to do this is by having these types of conferences. So this is really the first of its kind to be able to have all of these people in discussion together about not, not what is cannabis, but how can you implement that in your practice? What are you looking for? When you're reading labels, what are you looking to read? What does that mean? What are the common dosages we're seeing? What are the common... Um, ratio medications that we're seeing being used for these different, you know, problems. Multiple sclerosis, multiple sclerosis is a very um, good indication for one-to-one -one ratio medications. Yeah, that's the one that's been studied in Europe. Um, like we talked about with um, seizures, you yep. know, very severe forms of seizures, we're seeing CBD, you know, CBD onlys. Um, being a good indication for use because it tends to decrease the number of seizures you're having a day. And the other flip side is, is then you can also decrease your other seizure medications because that's the second part of that headline that we never talk about. 
is what about your other medication? Right. So, like, so which is major because which is major. Yeah, a lot of times people just kind of mix it, assuming add it on, yep. and then just they're like, "Well, I don't feel very well anymore." I'm like, "Well, that's because you've basically doubled down on your dosages of everything, mm -hmm. right?" So you can't be taking, and you can, but I wouldn't recommend it. You can't be taking your narcotic pill after having your hip replaced and doubling down on this at the same time and not expect to be drowsy. Yeah. Okay. Right. So the goal of this to me is, is to be able to kind of take off some of the other medications, not to add on, but to supplement, right. To, to kind of remove one versus the other. But that's something you have to do with a doctor. Like what you're that's doing. I don't want people to do on their own. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so, so this whole conference that you're, that you're, Working on, yeah. working on, and do you have a whole team with you? I'm assuming. I have a whole team. We've got Beautiful. two physicians, one yes. lawyer who does medical cannabis legal work. That's great. And so he's going to be answering questions. He's going to be doing a panel set of question and answers yes. for um, uh, for clinicians. You know, what can I send out of my office? What can't I send out of my office? What can I be le recommending legally? What can't I be recommending? What you know, all these little nuances that a lot of clinicians get really scared about. And the good news is, is that for the most part, you can do a lot. You can do a lot. The problem becomes is the nuances, right? Yeah. So yeah. making sure that you're not going to get in trouble, making sure that you're not making claims, making sure that you're following good medical practices. At the end of the day, it's about good medical practices and about good health practices. So legally, who can technically sell cannabis under their medical license or medical cannabis you is it only in sell any medical cannabis Got it. period so they're in california mm -hmm. very isolated to california because other states are different in california there's no s physicians cannot be involved in the sale of cannabis interesting okay but in florida for example I yeah there is a seed to sale process that a physician has to oversee gotcha. or be involved in so I think that's the case in like Arizona as well. Right. If, so if so correct, all yeah. these that and that's part of the problems that in all these states it's very different and to you know we need to get the states to all get in line together. Right? Yeah. And that's part of the you know the benefit of getting it federally legalized is that we can all start having the same rules. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't all be talking regardless, or that we shouldn't have a body, you know, a group, an organization that helps provide these these states with you know good practice right like this is what we're seeing in california and colorado and arizona you know in florida these are the the good practice laws that you should take on and move forward to your next set i mean i mean and, and if, if you don't mind me just being my sales and marketing yes, just, I, I just got thrown on the hat because yeah. i'm really big into the conferences because i think that's a great way to talk about spreading the the, the right information around healthcare right and it's not even so much that you gotta have best speakers and everything else but it's the ecosystem that i see that happens around there mm -hmm. um and and because i maybe i could be totally wrong with this but i feel like because um you know we're talking about a plant mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of variables that we're gonna there's only but so many variables that we can mix the plant in and, and really work with right which i know there's a lot of the pieces besides just the tac and like cbd right. and, and there's a lot of we other chains there right major cannabinoids talk and about it yeah minor cannabinoids yeah. and then we get into the terpenes and you know there's a company called i think they're called d2 terpenes in the valley right now that makes just the terpenes that they can then bat add back into um, products. Wow. Right. So that's a, you know, another exciting kind of venue with yep. this. Um, but you're right. It's. No, uh, so I was going to say that that ecosystem and getting those brands to come to talk about labeling process. 
right? Right, and see who's dominating from the label and process because it's going to come down to, in my eyes, the person that can do the best job with marketing and branding the product that's going to grab the general public's eye mm -hmm. to say, hey, doc, you know, is this okay? I take this with the rest of my medication mix, right? Right. Um, and whoever's going to poke out on, on the shelves, right, the best. Right. Be be because you, I've even seen over the past couple of years, like the guys that who had the brown bag cookies or whatever they had right. in the front, at the front right. of the register, I mean, it's evolved to this beautiful packaging, right? And right. <laughs> I mean, the packaging, there's so it's much getting wild. over the packaging. And I'm always like, yeah. you, it, I, I get a little flustered because my patients are older and they can yeah. never open the packaging. So I sit and actually work with them sometimes on just how to open packaging. Sure, they and all the safety. Safety labels, oh. all the, 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 the safety. Yeah, I mean the type protocols they have on it, right? And it's and you know uh, I'll show you, but yes. it's really hard sometimes to even read the labels. You know, this, yeah. this one's a little bit better. So um, some of them get really hard. They just write, you know, they just write CBD on there. So for example, this is like when you pick this up, you think all you're getting is CBD. Yes, that's, but it's four one but ratio. It's not. It's a four to one ratio. Yeah, and it actually, you know, this one packs a really big punch. So it's it's a little bit hard, you know. We're we're the industry has started steering away from words like indica and sativa, but have it's they? still, you know, it's not as in terms of edibles. Sure. So flowers, yes, yeah. flowers still indica sativa, but you know, understanding that you know what makes indica and what makes sativa, you know, we we don't have those really chemical or really specific. Um, labeling reasons right now and, and you know it's it's hard because the industry doesn't get you know I see some of them get doctors involved and I'm like this doctor doesn't even work with cannabis they don't right. even know what any of this means like you can't just pick an MD out of a hat like you you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of need somebody who understands you know the the, the minutiae of this to get yeah. involved otherwise you know it's it's all just smoke and mirrors which is what we're trying to avoid now I, well, you know, I really, I really hope that people show up for this conference because I, I can just see this bubbling into something yeah. that people need to attend if they're going to be in the space. Yes. I'm not in the space, but I, you know, like I said, I have friends in there and I see what they're up to, and and I'm like, man, this is like some cowboy stuff. <laughs> you right, get where people right. making and their it labels. Shouldn't and, be. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah, be anymore yeah, because yeah. we know enough that it really shouldn't be. And so, you know, the again, the reason I kind of designed this conference was to have you know, experts in the field, to yeah. have everyone at the, you know, at the top level of this game to be involved and have those really open discussions. You know, are we going to be training, you know, bud tenders? Are we not going to be training bud tenders? Right. Are we going to, you know, what is the studies behind CBD? What are the studies behind THC? Where can I, you know, recommend this for my patients? You know, where should I even be going to recommend this? How am I... How am I trusting that one place is licensed versus another versus medications that are licensed? You know, how can I go that extra mile for my patients? Or even if, you know, if the pharmacy wants to start selling CBD out of their offices, which I was, I was telling this to you earlier, we now have CBD products like Sagely um, Cream is now being sold at Bed Bath & Beyond. And which is excellent sold. packaging. Those guys did a yeah, great job with they, the branding. They've done a really amazing job. It's a really nice, nicely packaged product. Mm -hmm. Um, and a really good one too. So, so they're now being sold at Bed Bath and Beyond and at Neiman Marcus. And so, you know, when I always say, I'm like, when it gets to those levels, like, why is it that the clinician is the last to know or the yep. last to be able to, you know, pick up this package and say, I even know what that means. Yeah. Right? I know what the 50 milligrams of CBD and this roll-on is for a headache. And I can tell you, yeah, this is a really good pro product for your headache. Try it. 
tie it topically over your forehead, rub it down, you know, give it about 15 to 20 minutes. If you're going to respond to it, usually respond in about 20 minutes. If yeah. you're not going to respond to it, then you're not going to. You know? Can we talk about microdosing a little bit? Yes. So this is something that is kind of a, a a difficult conversation, and the reason is is because micro really should mean less than one milligram. Okay. Right? Like a scientific micro, term, right? sure. Like a very scientific kind of basis, and that was the idea behind I think a lot of these products when they first started, but then you get into you know less than one milligram if you use every day is not going to get you very far. Um, if you use you know, even a few times a week, again, it's not going to get you very far. It will get you very far if you use like once a week, maybe twice a week. Sure. Kind of like keeping your alcohol tolerance down. You, yeah. you know, you do build a little bit of a tolerance to this. And it's something that people don't like to talk about in the cannabis industry. Hmm. You sensitize to this. That's that's our technical term. You sensitize to this. And then you will require a little bit more. The nice part is, is that you don't build a tolerance in the same way you do to narcotics, where you have to continually build and build and build and build. Can you kind of cycle off with that? With yeah, that tolerance you can. That's okay. a great. That's yeah. a great question, actually. So, so about three to five days off, and you do find that you need less again. Kind of okay. You you refresh and it's called like a cannabis holiday. <laughs> you go on cannabis holiday, yeah. and and you can you can get that kind of resensitization, or you get that benefit of going to a lower dose again. Gotcha. And so, and so the question becomes like, why are you even talking about microdosing? Just because it's a fun word to use, like it just like I'm like, why are people even like so fascinated with this? Yeah. Um, and I think it's part of like this whole idea of like now like ketamines hit the market right in the pharmaceutical world. Like we now use IV ketamine in clinics for severe depression. Wow. I don't like it. I will be very honest with you. I don't think it's a great way to go. And I'll tell you exactly why. Please. I treated a young guy with heroin abuse and, you know, he was doing really well for about three to six months, was using cannabis oils and edibles only. So I try and stay away from smokables because you get the same high. And the whole point of rehab to me and the whole point of getting off drugs is to avoid the high, right? right? Like get your highs from your natural endorphins, get your high from running, get your high from having sex, get your high from being in a relation, right. like get your highs in other ways. Um, don't get your highs from medication. But the idea to me of cannabis with, with, abuse is or with people who have abused in the past is to actually get them to be level hmm. and to get them to not be anxious all the time to be able to get them to sleep at night when they need to go to sleep to be able to kind of have balance in their day which is what a lot of these addiction kids are missing right they're missing balance yeah yeah so so to go back um to i had he started using ketamine not really through my recommendation but through another physician's recommendation and then he loved it he loved how he felt when he went and did ketamine for three days um because he's up there yeah because yeah, he's up there again yeah, right yeah. and so what i ended up finding out was you know a few months later he started scoring ketamine on the streets and giving himself injections because wow. he thought that 
it's the same thing and and that's that's what i'm trying to avoid and that's why i get really frustrated when people are you know soliciting oh now we have this new treatment with ketamine it's you know it's that whole thing it's not the headline right it's you got to get deeper and you got to dig deeper and you can't be offering that to kids who have addiction histories you know it, it cannot be okay um so ketamine's one of them. There's mushrooms and the psilocybin. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Those are the now, you know, like yeah, now DMT up in that, the, yeah. yeah, it's now all, you know, it's legalized now in Colorado. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and now it's kind of people in California are all about it and the microdosing of psilocybin. And, and all I keep thinking is what do you want to get away from? Yeah. Like, what are you guys all trying to so get away from in your life that You're requires right back. this much escape? Yeah. And that's always my question is why are you using I love that because, you know, now you're talking about the source of issue. And that's unfortunately what a lot of insurance companies don't allow you to bill for or allow right. allow us to kind of really work on, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, it's just like, okay, put a Band-Aid on it, keep it, keep it moving on, and, and now you're back good, you're great. Three days out, and you're like, yeah, I feel great. And then they're, you know, that's three right. months later, they're in the back in, this, in yeah. a very similar rut. Even, in, even insurance companies do it. Like, this is another thing I realized very recently was insurance companies don't pay for physical therapy year-round. I know. I mean, what? It's crazy. Like, so I yeah. have really debilitated patients yeah. who have to kind of pick and choose when they get physical therapy. I mean, that's ridiculous. So it's like you're willing to pay for narcotics and you're willing to pay for oh, yeah. IV treatment and you're willing to pay for all this other nonsense, right? It's not nonsense, I shouldn't say that. But sure, sure. All this you. other kind of band-aids. Yeah. But you're not willing to pay for the work, right? And physical therapy to me or mental health therapy to me is the work. Yeah. The work of getting better. And it doesn't all have to be talking. It doesn't all have to be walking. But you got to do some of it. Otherwise, you fall back into that trap. Where do you see this going as far as the clinics, as far as in the insurance and as far as um, people trying to – because I feel like there's a there's a need from the people. Like, hey, I know that there's more out there. I know I should be doing more of this, just getting better quality sleep and just working on the healthy right. habit type process, the, the more the long game. You know, lots of that hard work type stuff, but it, right. but it, that's that's how you fix the foundation. Right. Um, do do you feel like insurance companies are car, are starting to measure a little bit more of that? Because you hear that in some of the conversation now, they're trying to groups like Kaiser right. are trying to have this all in house so they can track and see the whole lifespan of the patient and, and see what the overall costs are. Places like Amazon are taking it all in house so they can just kind of calculate exactly how much you know they're spending versus what they could save if they try to get you know get this actual jump on it. Right. Are, are you seeing any any of that on, so on your space? I think we're still about two years away from even talking about insurance coverage really? because yeah. of federal rules. Of so course, because, of course. Because the feds, insurances yeah, yeah. mostly are yep. not local, local yeah. you know, local entities. They're mostly federally based. Mm -hmm. um, they're not inclusive of it. The, the thing about it, and this is, I used to really want insurance to cover this. Yeah. The thing about it becomes twofold. Number one, yeah. do I really think they're going to make it cheaper? No. No. Yeah. Right. So, yes. so my husband picked up antacid medication the other day, and he got a prescription. Went to a pharmacy, got it filled. Yeah. And I, he came home and he showed it to me, like, whatever, Protonix or something. Yeah. And I was like, "Did you check and see if it was cheaper behind, like, just on the regular market shelves? Because this is the exact same thing as they have on the regular market shelves." He's like, "No, I figured it was cheaper because it was under insurance." And no, it was not. It was ten dollars more expensive with yep. insurance to go through the pharmacist. And I just kind of stood there and I said this is the problem with insurance. So yep. until insurance in and of itself gets fixed, to take a medication that I give to people for sleep, mm -hmm. which is usually like, let's say, for example, a chocolate THC edible, yep. a $20 or $25 chocolate bar will last most people a month. Yeah. So 
is that going to get cheaper with insurance? No, your insurance rate is going to go up and it's going to be more expensive in the long term to get point. it covered. So, so it becomes this really like, you know, you have to go back to the economics of it. Like, is it worth it to go through insurance or is it not worth it to go through insurance? The only, the only caveat is, is that I, I think that what I do should go through insurance. Yeah. I think that the medical practice of it should absolutely go through insurance because you want to have people be able to have long-term follow-up with this and to be able to adjust their medications on a long-term basis. Most people don't want to keep coming back on a long-term basis because they like, they're like, I just pick it up from the dispensary anyways. What do I need you for? Got it. But it's, it's forgetting that, you know, pro your body evolves, right? We don't, yep. we're not this, I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. Yeah, thank goodness. Sam, me and you both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it, you know, your body evolves and yeah. your medications evolve and your, your situation evolves and, you know, you lose loved ones, you, you have gains and losses in life, you have happy moments and sad moments in life. And so this to me is really also a very situational medication. So to be able to, and that's part of why I'm hosting this conference is to get regular doctors to kind of be able to understand what I do. Not so they refer patients to me, but so they can have that conversation with their patients. At least get the education. Yeah. yeah. And, and if they can have that conversation one-on-one -on -one with their patients, mm -hmm. then you know what? It's better for physician-patient interaction and it's, you feel more comfortable with your doctor. You're more likely to seek your doctor's care when something does go wrong. You're more likely to get medical, better medical care because your doctor is responsive to you and not blowing you off as a pot user okay <laughs> i mean because that's, that's what true. ends up happening right? yeah, yeah. And, and i read this all the time you know i'm i'm part of a lot of different facebook groups and and you, you read this all the time where the patient you know somebody for example with ulcerative colitis i i read i heard one of your podcasts earlier with oh, cool. uh, you know a guy with ulcerative colitis doctor yeah. i'm gonna blank on his name um and he talked about how he had all you know he had classic i could tell like even before he said he had uc I could tell he had a UC flare right before he kind of finally broke down and admitted that he had an issue and had to go to the hospital. Right. And the problem is, is that he was so afraid to admit it. And he was so afraid to seek help because it thought, he thought it meant he was weak. And, and, you know, and then having somebody respond to you on the other end with anything other than kindness and understanding, you know, physicians get frustrated. Physicians get frustrated that you don't show up earlier, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're bleeding and having blood and mucus in your stool 10 to 20 times a day. Why didn't you come in sooner? And part of it is is that there that relationship isn't there anymore. Who's your family doc? Can you tell me? No, I can't. That's oh, right. You can't. Listen, oh. and that's, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay because, because no, the, the, I have the, a way, face. Yeah, the, the way of the yeah. world has now become, yeah. you know, you go to Google MD first. That's fine. Google MD, yeah. That's fine. It's and kind it's of. accepting it's accepting that that exists true true you have to and moving yeah. forward from yeah. that because if you get stuck on that you're never going to go anywhere so you know what i mean i really want to dive into what you're doing at, at your clinic too be, be, oh, yeah. because because i think what what you're saying is strong and the fact that not knowing that where to search on google because we already know you can play with those analytics. You can oh, push yeah. yourself up to the top. And, and some of the best content's on page five, but who's going to go to page five? Right, <laughs> right, right. right, right. Exactly right. And most guys don't even go to PubMed and really try to read the actual research to understand right. what's out. So, you know, talk about your clinic because obviously, 
you know, it sounds like insurance is not covering for it. Correct. Right. So, so people have to kind of do their homework and find out who's who in the industry. Good. Good question. So, um, so I mentioned earlier, so I run an office out of Santa Monica. Um, it's a regular medical office. There's nothing exciting about this office. <laughs> like people are always like, can I come to your office? I'm like, sure. It's got like four walls and a window. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's a beautiful view though. It's, it's got a beautiful view. The view's of, serious. Yeah. All the way down to downtown LA, and on yeah. a clear day, you can see the Hollywood sign. Oh, nice! But, um, but that being said, the the sorry, I'm going to backtrack here. So the so my office does only medical cannabis. Okay, so if you see me in the ER, I talk about everything but cannabis. If you see me in in the office, I only talk about cannabis and how to reduce medications or how to add this in to get you better outcomes. Okay, is that a battle a little bit for you? Because because like in the ER, you're like. You probably see so many things where you're like, oh, CBD might be okay here, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's really hard because yeah. there I'm not I'm not necessarily sanctioned to do that sure. type of thing. So so yeah, it's a it's a really hard split. Mm -hmm. Now um, the the problem, as I mentioned earlier, is is how many physicians are doing this. Okay, so we we get a lot of healthcare like coaches mm -hmm. that are doing this, but to find a clinician who's doing this is a little bit more of a challenge. Yep. Um, my my colleague, Dr. Alan Frankel at Greenbridge Medical, he's here in Santa Monica as well. He also does medical cannabis use. Mm -hmm. um, he's been in practice to his credit about a decade, and he really was one of the forefathers of bringing you know medical cannabis to light. Wow. So kudos to him for all that he's done uh, over the years. Um, my, my favorite colleague and mentor in, in the cannabis space has actually been Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. Um, she does pediatric cannabis medicine, which is a huge, huge subfield of, of cannabis and pediatrics. Um, and she's really pushed a lot of the work along, um, and the, the research and the, the hard data about, you know, cannabis is beneficial in pediatric autism, pediatric ADHD, seizures, um, mitochondrial disorders. I mean, we're seeing so it's much. It's remarkable right now. in like seizures. I've seen it firsthand just from my cousin, who's much younger, but she's suffered with seizures. As soon as she started doing the um, treatments for herself, I mean, they haven't had an episode in almost over a year. Yeah, so and, the, and it was a pretty regular occurrence. I mean, and and this is something that we're you know, Dr. Goldstein has been doing this for again over a decade. Wow. She's she's really good at what she does. Um, but she's really highly sought after too. So she's got about a three month wait list these days. Really? <laughs> so it's good. So no, it's just great. And it's and all it means to me is that how important this conversation is. There's demand. There's there's demand and rightfully so because mm -hmm. it's there's not enough discussion about it. Now, um, beyond us three here in like the greater Los Angeles area, there's not really a whole lot more. Which is wild. That being said, yeah. UCLA came out with their own cannabis initiative about, I think they just celebrated their two-year anniversary. Good. So they are having the discussion and they brought Dr. Ziva Cooper on board. She's a PhD from New York to do um, the lab data, to do the hard work, you know, the microbiology data. Um, in at UCLA so they're now they've created I think about 40 staff members who are doing cannabis related research so the the research is coming out then if you go down a little bit further south UC San Diego mm -hmm. has the longest standing cannabis research group called CMCR cannabis so. medical clinical medical cannabinoid research or I think that's what it is there. CMCR they would, CMCR and um, they are now, they just got a, a number of grants. I think they got a $2 million grant to nice. host more medical cannabis research. So they are pushing forward on that end, which 
which is so great. And it's so nice to see that they are pushing forward. They've, they've, they've really been kind of walking the line as well in terms of, you know, pros, cons, you know, having to be able to provide for the medical community for a long time. So, so those are in terms of cannabis physician, there's not a lot of us. Um, but you know, if the, the beauty of being able to come into the office is that this isn't a, for most people, this is not a long-term commitment. I say to most people, it's about four to six appointments. Okay. So that that way you get your initial education. We start you on a medication. If it's indicated for you, I have had to say this is not appropriate for some patients. Good. I've actually had to take some patients off cannabis entirely. Really? Um, there is such a thing as cannabis addiction. Yeah. And so it's much good. so that I'm there glad you is that. cannabis addiction anonymous out there. You can wow. send people to, it's called marijuana anonymous actually. Um, so MA, there are MA programs out there. Um, addiction, like with anything, there is a potential for addiction, especially when there is um, a sense of euphoria involved in it. And so we see that becoming problematic when it interferes in your social life. When I had one patient who was on the brink of divorce because of his pot use. Wow. And that is where it's a problem, right? If it's becoming a problem where you come home, smoke, and you start watching porn in front of your 13-year-old daughter because yeah. you're not cognizant of what's going on, that's a problem, and that needs to be addressed. And he's lost you know, about 20 pounds, not because cannabis causes you to gain weight, but because most people who are smoking in that sense, who are using it to just decompress every afternoon regardless, they're not getting up and moving. True. And so it, just the movement and getting up is really what we're seeing in terms of weight loss. For some of my patients, I see a huge weight loss because they're no longer on narcotics and they're moving because they're not having pain and they're not not—they're able to move now. So so I know a lot of people in the cannabis industry like to talk about, oh, this is like the next, you know, Hail Mary, CBD is like the next Hail Mary yeah. for weight loss. Yeah. It's not, but it's about getting you moving, yeah. right? And it's about getting you up. And when pain you're free. in pain, you're not moving and you're not getting up. You're in bed, you're lying down for hours on end. So it's that part of the conversation. I really love that though. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the part about people getting hooked on the cannabis because that's a piece of it that I think with, with all the hopes, which is great, that, that kind of got shuffled towards the back of the cards right. about some of the some of the things that do happen on the flip side of it, right? Right. Um, you know, so me coming into your clinic, if I was like, you know, I'm struggling with X, um, it like it, it's about a four to five conversations that right. we, visits that we have together so so i like see let's period. say i have i have a lot of intractable insomnia patients so, sure so people always get sent here when they've tried everything and then it doesn't work and then they get sent to me which is really hard. i wish i got like the easy stuff like i can't sleep for the first time yeah, yeah. i haven't started ambien and i haven't been addicted to ambien like ambien is no good anymore yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. but but i see a lot of insomnia patients yeah. so those tend to be a little bit more challenging because i have to take them off their ambien hmm. and and supplement with with uh, I use THC base for that, so I'll supplement with a THC product instead as we're weaning off the Ambien because lo and behold, Ambien, Lunesta's, um, what's the other? The I can't think of the third one off the top of my head. Ambien and Lunesta all have these um, dependency-inducing qualities, and yeah. you do withdraw from them, especially if you've been on them for over five to ten years, which a lot of my patients have. Really? And they just, you know, I used to have a problem with insomnia, but I don't anymore because now I take Ambien every night, you know. But then the Ambien stops working. And then they have this thing where they're like, I wake up after four hours yeah. on Ambien, so I have to take another one. 
and you're like that's not the way it's supposed to work so so those patients are, are challenging and need a little bit more but like let me tell you like normal pain patients you know patients who don't use a lot of pain medications but they're looking to help with their arthritis they're looking to help with their low back pain those I bet are you get a lot of arthritic patients here a lot of yeah because i've heard great great things about that as well yeah a lot of arthritis patients a lot of insomnia a lot of cancer patients um especially now with the internet promoting you know a lot of people are like you know cannabis cured my cancer and you know you read kind of through the you read through these youtube testimonials yeah. or you listen to them and you read through some of the research projects and and what you're seeing is is it's cannabis with chemo nine times out of ten okay it's Almost always cannabis and chemo saved my life. Back in, as if nothing happened. No problem. <laughs> but, 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 but so do, do you ever see like clinics popping up, like a franchise of your clinic that could be put in all the states that are, are recreational or at least, um, you know, Not yet. Medically we approved? should. We'll talk afterwards. No. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. No, we, I, we haven't as of yet. Yeah. Um, uh, but we are seeing small organizations kind of take it on yeah head on um and part of it is because you know imagine if you had built a, a you know a clinic from scratch and now there's a new medication out you know how interested would you, would you be in changing all of that up and changing all of your training so to speak you know right so it's so the question becomes why would somebody do that right why would somebody take their neurology practice and you know change it to include all of this this is ariella by the way hey ariel nice to meet you i'm joe so we were just we were printing up some of the flyers for um the conference so you could have it oh awesome so you know what just just talking about the conference too i'm totally going to spread this out with my network i got a a nice list of docs on the west coast i manage the whole Everything west of Colorado. Oh, great! And about ten thousand different private practice guys. So I'll definitely spread the word through yeah. email blasting and and um, if you're ever into podcasting, which I hope that you yes. do, pick up more more the mic and really get involved in other people's shows as well. I mean, I just think this is such a great conversation for most people to have. Yeah, this it, is this is great what you're doing. Well, well, you know, this is this is fun. I mean, um, talking about different different therapies out there and and pretty much educating the market about newer newer devices or therapies and technology that has been explored in other countries, especially because my company that I work full-time for is over in Germany. Uh -huh. And so their healthcare system is totally different. Totally different. Pluses and minus to it. It's not, right. it's not a perfect system, but it's totally different. How they get government funding to experiment with a lot of different technologies has advanced how they look at doing a lot of different therapies, right? So, um, so, and we don't have that case there, but there's some other pluses that we have here, which is the whole free market, right? right. So we're letting it kind of bubble up from the ground up. That's right. And then, you know, companies will chase down where the money's coming. That's yeah. right. And so it's funny because the advantage of the free market has always been, you know, I, I always tease my patients because I say, you know, if we're going to use a chocolate edible, for example, the advantage of having this be really ground up has been that you can pick like 20 different chocolate varieties. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice to be able to take your medicine as, you know, as a, you know, a little piece of chocolate at night. It's great. Why not? You know, yeah. Or to be able to take it as a gummy bear, you know, not bear because it's no longer legal as a bear, but <laughs> which is a good thing. That is, that is good. Um, I, didn't even think, yeah, I, yeah. I had a hard time telling people to decapitate a, a gummy bear as part of their dose. So it's much easier to take half a square of, yeah. of a gummy. But I mean, to be able to have that much leeway in your medication is really, really phenomenal. 
Um, another thing that we've seen kind of pop up uh, infrequently, in my opinion, but has been things like sugar-free, uh, sugar-free chocolate. So mm. for my diabetic patients who were still using, you know, a chocolate to be able to use a sugar-free or somebody who's on a keto diet or, yeah. you know, I have all, you know, I have a laundry list of allergy patients. So to be able to come up with a hypoallergenic product, um, to be able to come up so with something that's really designed for medical use has been has been really nice because it, they pop up. Talking about that, do do you look at their their in like the full picture of the, of the patient as far as what they're eating, exercise, all the activity levels, and so I do because I think it plays a part in in what goes on. So a lot of my patient patients have two things that aren't discussed enough, in my opinion. Yep. One is constipation, and one is sleep. Constipation so definitely isn't brought up in there. Right, right. <laughs> and, and it's funny because yeah. it is. It is a real problem, and I didn't realize that yeah. for a long time. Because in the emergency department, I don't care if you're constipated. Right, I, I, like that's that's not an emergency. That's well, it is, and I I okay. actually I disimpact more patients than I've ever wanted to, which means I manually go in and re- retrieve poop out of people's butt. Wow, just to be very clear. Yeah. but but that's that's still not like you know if you're coming in for an ache or a pain, constipation's not what I'm asking you about. Right? Sure. But in, in the office, on the other hand, I always ask because it plays into a lot of abdominal pain and discomfort. Gut health, I would imagine. plays into what people eat. Mm-hmm. It, what, and all of that plays into pain. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you're uncomfortable because you haven't pooped in five days or you haven't pooped in three days, then it's going to play into it. Right. And it's going to play into your fibromyalgia and it's going to play into your um, bloating and your sense of discomfort and your abdominal area. It's going to play into your IBS. It's going to play. It all, it all kind of plays into one each one another. And then the other thing is, is that oil tinctures. Mm-hmm. What we're not talking about is it's oil. Right? Yeah. So anytime you're ingesting oil three times a day or four times a day. You know, that's a laxative in and of itself, hmm. right? So so it can cause, I've had patients come back after a few months and be like, I have diarrhea now from oils, right? Like I stopped taking the oils and the diarrhea stops. And so that aspect of things too, right? Like we, we kind of forget that this conversation really kind of ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, in, in, in the whole sleep portion, I, I think is obviously one of the hottest topics out there right now in health. Yes. Um, it's getting some good exposure. You see a lot, a lot more articles being written, books coming out uh, about the benefits of it. And even one of the startups I'm working with um, is this neuro training company. Mm-hmm. They're working with a lot of sports athletes, but they would find out the basics of what, everyone kind of gets back to right you need more sleep most of these guys are like sleep deprived and you're making bad choices right have you seen any research with you know people using it uh with like any type of eeg headsets to kind of track how their outcomes are after you're doing any type of cbd mix so i work with um uh the pacific neuroscience institute so pni here and we're seeing a lot of i'm they're referring a lot of their patients over Hmm. because we're getting some good outcomes which is really nice and because more importantly we're seeing really bad outcomes with with the hypno sedatives so things that put you to sleep ambient uh lunesta right sonata that's the third one so we're seeing you know there was like a big splash in the news a couple of weeks back about how, you know, people are sleepwalking and sleep driving. And, yeah. you know, there was somebody who claimed that they shot their spouse or somebody with a gun because they were on Ambien. I mean, there's all these like kind of things coming up. Um, and, and the more important part is, is I see people who get into car and drive and have accidents. Right. And 
they're on Ambien, they don't recall any of the events. And that we see in the emergency department. So the flip side is that, and then the other thing is that we're seeing poor memory, er, early onset Alzheimer's and dementia for people who are using Ambien and Lunesta and Sonata for long periods of time. Wow. So we actually can't, you know, most of these pharmaceutical companies, their studies are, you know, a year max. Yeah. You know, I, I rarely do see a five-year study. Rarely. And so people always come up to me and they're like, well, where's the studies on THC long-term on your brain? And I'm like, well, where's the study on Ambien long-term on. on your brain? Yeah. Where's the study on Norco on your brain long-term? And we know people are taking these for decades. Yeah. I can tell you very clearly what we're not seeing, which is, you know, the hippies of the 70s who were all smoking pot and a lot of them continued, right? It's a great point. And what we're not seeing is a, a huge swing in, in you know, cancer outcomes with those patients. We're not seeing a huge thing in, in dementia with those patients. So what we're not seeing is also very valuable. Wow. And so, so that we're starting to see people looking into it. It's really hard to generate a clinical study without funding. It's really hard to get these things moving. It's really hard to get all of the processes up and going. So I'm looking forward to getting those studies coming out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I had a Parkinson's patient in the other day um, who came in for a follow-up. And she made me laugh because she's like, yeah, I took my cognitive study after two years. And now that I'm on cannabis products, she's like, my, I did better on my cognitive study now than I did two years ago. Wow. So, you know, this isn't to say this is everyone. Yep. And, and I even told her, I go, maybe it's the fact that you're not on all those narcotics anymore. You know, maybe that was also clouding your brain. And so it's kind of like looking at the both sides of the coin with this, right? Like we can't assume cannabis does everything. It's not, I always say, I'm not, we're not talking about snake oil. It's not magic. Yeah. It, it has its limitations. It has its benefits. It works on a lot of different organ systems, which is why we see it kind of crossing multiple different diagnoses and multiple different methods and modalities of treatment, but it does have its limitations. You, you know, one more headline reading type of thing, and then I want you to plug everything about your clinic as far as how people can definitely find you, and we'll talk about the conference again one more time because I think that's important that people know about it. But, um, but you know, have you seen any real good research around using it for managing blood sugar levels? I mean, I've seen some headlines out there, but I didn't yeah. dive into it, so I don't, I don't want to speak too in yeah. depth of what the things I've, I've read. I have not okay, seen yeah. great research yet. Yeah, there's <coughs> there is some, th and they're looking at CBD bases. Yeah, tied into blood sugar, but I, if I had to put my money on anything, I think it's going to be the same combination. This fact of you know if your aches and pains are better, yeah, then you better can get up and sleep. move. Sure, you can sleep better. Yeah then if you're moving better, then ultimately your blood sugars are going to drop because we know exercise 100% is, is, is tied into your blood sugar. Yeah. So if I can get you up and moving even for 15 extra minutes a day, for sure that's going to drop your blood sugar. That's awesome. And, yeah. and that, yeah. is my, that is my kind of goal is to get you up and moving because I, if I can, I'm, you know, we, we don't talk about this very often, but, you know, a side effect of being happy it's not a bad side effect, right? Like, like true, hundred percent. Like, like why, why, why do we forget to mention that this side effect of a positive attitude and happiness is a negative one, and it's not. 
it's not a negative side effect. It's actually, I consider one of the best side effects of this medication. So, you know, taking that with a grain of salt and saying that, you know, that's actually strictly has to do with THC and not CBD. Because right. CBD doesn't tend to affect the mood, although it does tend to calm anxiety and it helps with depression. It's not as mood elevating. Mm -hmm. But even if you get that, like, one or two percent THC out of it, you know, mixed in, or if you get a ratio medication with a little bit of THC, I think that that's where it really can be very helpful. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm I'm really glad that you went there too because the happiness portion of it is something that is almost kind of like disrespected. I mean, not yeah. not blatantly, but but kind of like ah, oh, that's not. It's it's yeah. it's swept under the rug. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, we don't talk about narcotics being a depressant. Right. Like they cause depression. Yeah. It's a side effect of a narcotic. Yep. And why is that better? You know, why is that better? I mean, and I and I say this again, reflecting back to what we talked about earlier, which is, you know, what are you running away from? Is it running away or is it a, you know, a pleasantness, right? And and this is kind of the the hard line here to kind of sure dig deep with with people, but that's where you want to dig deep, and Lo and get that next level of conversation. I love what you're doing here at the clinic. I, I really enjoy the fact that you're having this conversation with people and you're kind of being like their beacon of kind of light to say, this is where to kind of go and really giving them some direction with it. Um, I hope to hear you on the mic more and more. Thank you. I can't wait to actually see what's going on with, with the conference. So plug it again. Okay, so and let then, me plug this. Yes. So um, an educational conference on medical cannabis use coming in uh, October 5th. Uh, this fall, 2019, from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Intercontinental Hotel in Century City. Uh, breakfast will be hosted, and you will have five speakers. I will highlight the, the most important speaker to me is uh, Kim Kirchmeier is going to be coming from the Medical Board of California to talk about how the Medical Board of California has guidelines for cannabis recommendations for physicians. So this, to me, is just huge because this is the first time she will ever be talking about medical cannabis guidelines for physicians wow. ever um, in a public arena. Uh, I will be speaking um, about uh, indications for cannabis use, and really I'm going to be delving into dosage, indications, frequency, you know, ratios, that type of thing, and where and when you can use this, when, where and when it's beneficial. Dr. Phil Grob is going to be talking about, he's a geriatric psychiatrist, so he's going to be talking from a, a little bit of a different perspective about, you know, medication interactions, how this can interact with medications, what you need to be cautious of, where it's indicated, where we're seeing benefits, especially with nursing home patients. This hmm. is kind of a subset of population that people in the recreational world don't talk about. Yeah. We love having nursing home patients because they do so well. That's a good point. You know, I, I didn't even think about that whole that whole line of business, but that makes perfect sense. You have people paying five, six, seven thousand dollars a month to have their to have their mom or other right. other dad there, and and then they, you know, a lot of nursing homes. The biggest complaint about nursing homes is that they just give them medicine to zonk them out, so right. that they don't have to deal with them, because you know. Dementia patients get aggressive. Pain patients get aggressive. As we age, we tend to be a little bit more snippy or short, <laughs> or short, right? Because yeah. we feel like we're owed that. Maybe I'm not <laughs> sure. I'll let you know when I get <laughs> yeah, there. Right, me, you both. But, um, yeah. but you know, using a CBD-based medication during the day tends to calm a lot of that without sedating them, and so you get your old mom or dad back, wow. and and people really, it's it's really nice to see that, and they get better sleep at night. 
um, without using a lot of these, you know, sedatives that then cause constipation or painkillers that cause constipation that then creates more problems. Mm. You know, it's it's that uh, downstream ripple effect. Um, uh, so Phil Grob, myself, um, we will have a medical cannabis lawyer there, uh, Mr. Michael Levinson, who will be talking about uh, rules and regulations. As we know, this changes very frequently. Yep. Um, almost kind of monthly these days about what we can and cannot do, what's um, advised and not advised. And then, um, of course, Robin Lynn from One Minute Cannabis. She's down in San Diego. She's also part of the SCC, and she's going to be doing an introduction about what is cannabis. So giving everybody, getting everybody up to the same page really quickly at the beginning of the conference so that we can all have a really intelligent, really detailed co- um, conference for the rest of the morning. Um, it's it's really exciting. The LA County of Public Health will be there. They will be distributing their latest research on cannabis dispensaries here in LA. Nice. The Cannabis and Cannabinoid Research Journal um, out of UC Irvine is going to be distributing their journals so that people can see the real research that's going on in the scientific world about cannabis. Um, How about vendors? You going to have any any? No, Companies so there, there will yeah. be no vendors. Purely educational. Right purely now. educational. Yeah. Um, GW Pharma and Canopy Health have been invited from a pharmaceutical perspective um, to kind of uh, help host. Yep. Um, the from in terms of vendor vendors, the only vendors we've asked to come will only be CBD hemp topicals. Gotcha. So creams and such, uh, that type of variety again that are at places like Bed Bath and Beyond and. Um, Neiman Marcus so that we can because we're seeing a lot of that and it's very innocuous Um, and I don't because the other problem was we don't want people pushing product the goal of this conference is to not push product Mm -hmm. the goal of this conference is to talk about the good the bad and the ugly which is the most important part you know you know and and there's a lot of players out there I'm sure would love to throw some dollars your way to get to have their space so they can sell out (laughs) right 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 we're being really specific about this because you don't want to tie your I I don't want I don't want people to show up and be like you know this was just a way to sell pot products this is that's not the goal the goal is to get people on the same page um, and to get them resources to where they can get education on a continuous basis where they can CME will be provided so continuing medical education Ah, credits are going to be hosted through the hospital here probably St. John's um, so through the Department of Medicine and again, you know, getting people medical education. This is this is the start of it. It's not being done in medical school. I was not taught one thing about marijuana, cannabis, etc. Besides it is illegal. OK, nothing. I in was the taught classroom. more in the classroom. I was taught more about cocaine in the classroom than I was about marijuana. Wow. In residency, we were there was a zero discussion of it. Besides, you know, when you see it on a drug screen, shows positive. Like, what do you do? What are the other things that can show up positive? Side yeah. effects, etc. We weren't even at the time. So back in the early two thousands, we weren't even talking about cannabis hyperemesis syndrome, which we didn't even get into today. Oh. But when people misuse it on a regular basis and use too much, okay. Um, it causes nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain, which is really what most people think they're treating when they're taking it. So they take more of it. Wow. And then they cause worsening of their nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. And they take hot showers to kind of relieve themselves. It's through like um, edibles or just actually through smoking Mostly flowers? Mostly we're seeing edibles. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, I smoke and then I take an edible and then I smoke and then I, you know, <laughs> I, it's like this kind of continuous process. <laughs> and people are using a lot. And, and I always tell people like, you know, you really shouldn't be taking more than a couple milligrams a day of THC unless there's a reason, right? Yeah. Like 
unless there's a reason behind it. Like most people don't need more than a few milligrams of THC a day. Um, so, so kind of pulling together all of this yeah. in, in my medical education from, you know, early 2000 to, to 2010, I had z- really almost zero medical education. And so the goal of this is to start that process and to make sure that we are educating our clinicians because it's out, it's available. I mean, it needs to be discussed yeah. and it needs to be understood. Well, you know what? I'm a huge fan of, of what you're up to. I love the fact that you're kind of doing the homework for a lot of people because that's what people yeah. just don't have the time for, right? And that's so right. if there's a place that we can get that concentrated dose of, of education about what's going on throughout the industry and how to properly read these labels that are just kind of being scatterbrained, right? And That's right. And I've even seen some of these marketing. Uh, I've been in a couple of these conversations. And, yeah, they're all over the place from different – it really varies depending on where you get your um, source from. So, that's right. So, so this is going to be fun. I'm going to spread this out. As you guys are listening, please go check out Dr. Sherry. Please plug up. Yes, so it's www.thereliefinstitute, and that's relief spelled like a leaf on a tree, R-E-L-E-A-F. I like that. So thereliefinstitute.com. You can reach the conference site at thereliefinstitute.com backslash conferences, or if you just go to the Relief Institute, you'll see the tab for conferences, and it's on there. Um, we are running a special for two ninety nine for the whole conference, including breakfast, and um, we can offer you a group discount with if you listen to this podcast. It's going to be group fifty, and that'll give you a fifty dollar discount. Nice. Um, otherwise, if you want to reach me on a more personal level and you want to come into the clinic or into the office, you can reach me at sherry at mdrelief.com. So sherry s h e r r y at mdrelief. M D R E L E A F, like the leaf on a tree, dot com, or 310-475-2626. Love it, love it. You know what? So I'm definitely going to plug all those in the show notes. You'll be able to talk to Dr. Sherry there. I'll have the coupons there. Please check it out, guys. Even if you're interested, this is open for everybody, right? Open to everybody. Not just docs. So, so, just so docs. for all you health coaches out there guessing. <laughs> yes, health coaches. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen, they need to know. 100%. They're doing it. They need to know. They need yeah. to know. Um, what's going on, what the latest features, and they'll be better for it. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm doing this kind of um, uh, to, to hurt my own pocket a little bit because what I'm going to do is, is teach you to do what I'm doing. Yeah. That's the goal is you're right. Just teach you in one morning and pull together all of the resources for you, what I'm doing and where you can find good resources if you have questions. Love it. Dr. Sherry, we are out. And thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. All right, so was I right or was I right? She killed it. Tons of information. You guys should definitely look at checking out the conference, especially if you're in the SoCal area. I think it's just going to be great. It's a really good ecosystem for all of us to kind of just meet and connect with with like-minded people, get some information as well. And, you know, if, if you're interested in this space, you definitely should be there. So with that said, guys, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Please let me know your thoughts. You can get everything that you need at Joe alexlemon.work or check out the show notes you guys can uh, at least stay connected with Dr. Sherry. So with that said, I look forward to checking you guys on the next episode.